Hello and welcome to the Real Heroes of E-Commerce. I'm your host, Jason, and this is the next episode of Jingle All the Way. Today, we are joined by Jeremy Epperson from Conversion Advocates. We're going to talk about conversion rate optimization. And Jeremy has over 15 years experience in the field and has run over 5,400 tests. He's got tons of great advice, and he's also going to share a few tests that have ended up with some interesting and counterintuitive results. All right, let's get to it. All right, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So give us a little bit of background about you and the work you've done with CRO. Yeah, okay, happy to share about that. So I've actually been doing CRO digital growth for 15 years now in a number of different forms. Most of that's been on like the agency and consulting side. So um, I've actually personally launched CRO programs for over 170 businesses now and done some form of like digital growth consulting for over 250. So um, wow. one of the things that I've focused on is like compiling data and insights and observations and like interacting with teams and trying to extract the insights we get from that. So it can be like shareable to a lot of different like e-com, like business owners, um, exec teams, marketing teams. Um, and that's my big passion. So doing things like this, I think helps kind of educate the industry. Very cool. So for those of the uninitiated, how would you describe CRO to them? Yeah, this is uh, potentially contentious in the industry because everybody has their own take on this, right? But right. Um, here's, here's my particular philosophy based on what I've done. Um, there's kind of like a four-part definition, and I'll explain this really quickly. So it's a comprehensive process to strategic research and iterative testing that drives measurable results. Okay, so we don't want to think about this in terms of like, hey, let's stand up a couple tests or, you know, we'll just brainstorm tests like in a in a marketing team meeting. Like we want to put the process in for growth in place. Right. So we're thinking about this holistically, like the, you know, the quantitative and qualitative research, market and customer research, business intelligence. That's half of the value of this. And the other half is like, you know, running iterative tests. So we know what actually works to help add more value to customers and improve that customer experience and like as a result increase conversion rates and and, and grow revenue mm -hmm. so how do you start out with the the research yeah so that's uh that's the million dollar question right <laughs> so here's the thing i will say just because this is like kind of targeted startups um what you don't need to do is you don't need to buy really expensive fancy tools you don't need to allocate you know multiple people's time with you know dozens or hundreds of hours like what we want to do is start small and build momentum right mm -hmm. so the best thing you can do is scrape from your existing customer data so like analytics insights channel-based data any research that you do have that's the easiest way to get started with like instead of just being like hey here's an idea for testing let's attach our hypothesis and what we're going to test to a data point and mm -hmm. what we found is like when you have data-backed hypotheses, you can actually increase the rate at which your test win from 12% of total tests, which is not really great, to over 24%. So just adding data to testing or some form of customer research or business insight is gonna mean that you're gonna you know, have winning tests twice as often and that's gonna snowball, right? And, and help build over time. Okay, cool. So we're already into Q4. And a lot of people are really busy. Um, yeah. <laughs> the task of taking on CR seems daunting, um, to say the least. 
So would you suggest, you know, businesses starting this up in any way, shape or form? Yes, I would. Now, what would have been great is if those same exact companies started in January to prep for Black Friday of this year, right? <laughs> I mean, that would have been optimal, right? But, um, you know, most most businesses are not there right now, right? So if the, if the thing that's sitting on the table is a decision between, like, should we do any testing right now or should we wait until Q1, I would highly encourage testing in Q4. And here, here's a couple quick reasons for that. One is uh, customer behavior in Q4 is different than it is for the rest of the year. How so? so? Um, well, okay, first of all, gifting is clearly a big part of what's happening in Q4. Um, like, there's seasonality in some businesses that, like, exist across different, like, verticals and industries. Um, there's a lot of discounting and promoting and coupon codes that are being, like, tossed around. So, like, that changes the dynamic of how people are making their purchasing decisions. There's a mm -hmm. lot of variables like that that exist. So, um, one thing that you should consider is like when you're testing, whether you're testing in ads, like different, you know, paid channels, social channels, email, on-site, wherever you're optimizing, um, just realize that like you're going to get really interesting insights that can help drive long-term value, but you can also get quick wins right now, right? And that's what most of these businesses, like all the e-com companies we're talking to right now are like, hey, how do we get quick wins and then leverage that into like a longer term CRO program. And that's kind of the way to think about it, right? So some of the things that you can do in Q4, um, I'm kind of just running through this. So let me know. <laughs> yeah. So some of the things that like can be helpful strategies to test around is like, um, you know, do you discount? Do you give personalized content? Do you provide options for two different sets of customers? Like if you're gifting, we, we just did a, uh, there's like a flower based company, um, he would be mad at me if I described it like that. <laughs> like one of the top uh, um, floral delivery companies on the West Coast. Um, he has an entire gifting option or he has a totally different customer experience if you're buying for yourself or, or for other use cases, right? So they have these two paths that we've tested into, right? And we know that those are different customer segments. We have that from the analytics data. We have that from other forms of research and testing. So that could be something really powerful to like add in. It's like, why isn't there an option that's targeted specifically at gifting in Q4? You know what I mean? Like that's an experience that a customer would appreciate, right? It would help them make their decision. They're gonna feel like they're understood, right? So um, there's certain things like that that are more relevant to test in Q4 versus like other parts uh, of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay. When companies are trying to get a quick win, uh, what sort of method would they go about choosing what to do and if they need any tools to, to execute on that. Okay, really good question. So here's the way that we frame this, is the easiest way to drive short-term ROI with conversion rate optimization is looking for the conversion roadblocks. What are the specific roadblocks that exist that prevent people from making that first time or repeat purchase? Okay, so that's what we're looking for. So instead of like going off the track and just trying to push a bunch of different marketing initiatives through, what we wanna do is use research to understand like what is causing site abandonment, what's causing cart abandonment, um, you know, what are the objections that exist? What are the like, the, the lack of relevant content or the lack of information they need to make a buying decision, right? So like if we can pinpoint those, then we're gonna to wanna to iteratively test around solving those problems. That's the easiest path to you know, like producing ROI on short timelines, right? So if that's the goal, which 
for a lot of these e-com shops, that is the goal right now. It's like we need to pin down quickly and easily, you know, uh, quickly and effectively. Like here's the issues, the top issues we're trying to solve and then do the best we can with testing in channels and on site to like fix those right now. To get the answers to those, like what they need to do, do you suggest like qualitative, like talking to the customers, um, how to get those sort yeah. of threats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're a management consulting firm that does business intelligence, market and customer research, anything quant qual, you know, research. We literally have like dozens and dozens of research methods. So the way we're thinking about this is we want to get a 360 degree understanding of customers. So you could get that to your point. You could get that from customer interviews, right? Like digging into like, why are they making buying decisions? What are their buying criteria? Things like that. We could also get that from like heat map data from like a, you know, a tool like Hotjar that you can get for free and tag on your site. And we can see what kind of content are they interacting with on the site? Um, how far do they scroll down a product page? Um, you know, what are they doing on a homepage or a category page? How are they actually interacting with products or searching through products, right? Same thing with like session recordings or usability studies. That's kind of us like anonymously spying or, or kind of looking over the shoulder of customers, right? And be like, what do they really do? You know, like, what are they doing? Where are they getting stuck? Like, you know, does this user path make sense? Like, do they understand how to select the right product for, you know, their want or need? So you can kind of see we're like piecing this together like a puzzle, right? We're taking all these little slivers of information from different sources. And the more we kind of piece those things together and, and we kind of get that 360 degree view, the better we're going to be able to market and sell because we're going to understand customers better than we've did before. Very cool. So I know that you've done, I think you said 5,400 tests. Um, so you have a lot of you know, interesting ideas about the psychology behind some of these tests and you have a few to share. Let's hear some of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. To even, I don't think about this sometimes, but you're right. When you run 5,400 tests, you're just like, Oh man, that's so many years of <laughs> tests. And at this point in time, I'm literally never surprised. Like the weirdest things happen in testing. They're so counterintuitive that we wouldn't expect. Just this last week, my team had two tests where all of us were wrong. We have an eight person expert team that's focused on zero all day in and out. And like our test results, we had two massive losing tests that we would have never expected. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But let me let me dig into one that I think is super applicable for like Q4 for ecom. So this is a wild test. We tested a the control was a 25% discount coupon code on a pop up for first time purchases only. Um, we tested a 15% discount against that as the test variation. So we expected, OK, if we give, you know, the difference between 25 and 15% discount, What's the wiggle room there? Like how many sales are we going to lose because we've decreased the discount? And what we actually found was there was a 3% increase in purchases oh. for the variation with the 15% discount code. Nice. Just that's mind blowing. You're like, that can't be, <laughs> that can't be a thing, right? I mean, that's so counterintuitive, right? So the CMO and the founder were like, we don't believe you. And I'm like, what do you mean we do? You don't believe me. Like we have the test data, we have this, that. Um, they go run it again. I've never done this. And like the history of testing, right? But they go run it again. We run it again, we get the same results. And they're like, this is mind blowing. We can't believe this. So like, what do they get as a business? Like they're protecting their profit margins. They're still giving a discount, which is kind of expected from a lot of customers, like for first time purchases. 
But mm -hmm. they also got a really interesting insight, um, which is a big part of testing, right? That their customers were not price sensitive as they thought they were. Right. So they're trying to market to everyone, right? If you're trying to market to the tire kickers, the people who are price sensitive, um, that just wasn't their target audience. So instead of, you know, like offering these huge discounts, they're actually um, meeting the needs of their customers who care more about other factors than a discount, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. So did that that twenty five percent? Did that kind of devalue the the product? Yeah, good question. So there's a couple things on that. Um, one is like yes i think from like a like a customer psychology perspective i think it does devalue the product it's like why would you need to give me 25 percent off if this mm -hmm. is a high quality premium product right that's like one you hypothesis you could high already yeah exactly right that's the second thing the second thing is like this is a joke right like you guys all you've done is raise the price so you can give a huge discount right so that feeds into like skepticism and there's a lot of skepticism in the marketplace, especially over the last five years. We've seen the market trends like people are more skeptical now than they were, you know, five years ago. It's just like dramatically changed. So um, so we don't want to feed into that skepticism. Right. And there's probably other hypotheses, too. But, um, yeah, really cool finding that um, it's probably going to shock most people listening. to this. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you have any other ones? Um, yeah, I got to I mean, we have a ton. Um, let's, let's hear a couple more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we have another um, D2C Ecom brand. Um, we actually tested giving a free trial of the product. Like, we're going to send you, like, a free sample of this product, essentially. And then, like, after the fact, after you receive the, you know, the free trial, we'll charge your card if you don't, you know, like, after 30 days, essentially, right? So um, what was interesting about this is... We thought, okay, this is going to reduce the anxiety. It's going to reduce the friction. Our whole hypothesis is like, hey, people are worried about like this first-time purchase. If we send them a trial, if we send them a sample, then that's going to alleviate that anxiety. What we actually found is that, that um, we hit statistical significance on decreasing purchases because mm -hmm. of that. And, and our hypothesis around this is instead of decreasing that anxiety, they're like, why do you have to give me a free trial? You know what I mean? Right. So he was it. <laughs> yeah. If other people are worried, maybe I should be worried too. Exactly. Right. So we just raised awareness around like some objections that they didn't know needed to exist. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the psychology <laughs> behind that's really wild. <laughs> that's pretty interesting. It's like tripping up yourself. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and that's some part of what happens with testing, right? Is like, we think we're solving a problem and we may be raising awareness about a problem that the customer didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. which is why we test, right? Because we don't know what's going to happen. There are no universal truths. There are no tests that always win. We just have to get those insights from like real customers and how they behave. Very cool. I know this is a question that a lot of really small businesses have, people starting out. Um, when you're talking about statistical significance and, you know, getting actual usable results, um, is there like a magic number for how many visitors you need to be able to properly test that's that's a lot to unpack all of <laughs> all of <laughs> statistics so um i always jokingly say that like i try not to talk about statistics on a podcast because it makes uh listeners eyes roll into the back of their heads but <laughs> as a general <laughs> as, as a general like you know set of rules i would say like there are you know 
their statistical significance calculators, a lot of the A-B testing platforms have built in like stats engines or, you know, like formulas, algorithms that they use for helping marketers, especially when they're non-technical, like non-data scientists um, to help interpret results. The biggest thing is we want to make sure that like we're protecting data integrity, um, where tools are tagged properly. We have all the goals set up effectively when we're pushing a test live, like let's say that's a banner test, um, or let's say that we're going to like optimize copy on a product page. We just want to make sure that that the experience that's being shown to the visitor in that variation is good to go. There's no issues there. Um, there's not a perfect answer though. It's not like, Hey, 90% confidence interval is like the Holy grail and nothing else matters. Right. There's it's, it's a, a series, it's a, a trade-off essentially. Right. So like okay. if you're a lower traffic site, or if you have smaller relative changes in conversions, you may not hit, you know, statsig on that. Um, but also there's like a counterbalancing business need that exists, right? Like we need to test, we need to get insights, we need to drive revenue. So, you know, think partially uh, about CRO is it's like risk mitigation, right? Instead of just okay. pushing stuff live and hoping it works, we're like at least getting insights and data and like, you know, mitigating some of the risk around uh, things we're testing from a marketing perspective. Okay, so if you're just getting started, you don't have to just be a statistician all of a sudden. You can actually do it more on the risk mitigation side just to kind of iteratively move forward. It's definitely something that people should educate themselves about because there's a lot of like misnomers and traps you can fall into, but also mm -hmm. the level of proficiency you need to have um, is lower than probably what most people think. I don't even know if I should say that on a podcast, but you know, like you can, you can build your skills really quickly to make sure that like you're, you're taking like a solid approach to testing. That's all I'm trying to get across. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, what are some of the free tools that people can use if they're trying to get a couple of tests done, you know, this month? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I would personally recommend for like, you know, budget conscious companies that like want to get started with testing, but they don't want to throw up a lot of budget and they don't want there to be any roadblocks to them getting started or getting started quickly. Google Optimize is a free tool. Um, it's not the best A-B testing platform, but it is free. It's easy to get started. Um, you know, the reporting and, you know, results analysis, some of those things are just like not as great as like the paid solutions, but you can set up, you know, you can run five tests. You know what I mean? On your site at any given time. And like, that's a great way to get started. And then, like I said, we're starting small, we're building momentum. So later, if you want to upgrade to fancier tools or more expensive tools or have more features, do that later. But for right now, just get started. Um, I would also say that Hotjar is great for session recordings, heat maps, surveying, polling, like you can do a lot of post-purchase like surveys with that. There's also a bunch of cool Shopify tools that you can do that with as well, right? There's a lot of plugins and things that you can do to just collect those customer insights, you know, exit intent polling. Um, you know, if you just put a poll on your site um, on exit behavior, it actually will pop a little poll and it'll say, what if anything prevented you from buying X today, whatever the product is, right? And that's like the exact language that we've used. Um, and we've looked across hundreds of websites doing this type of research. And what we found are there are three to seven primary reasons why someone abandons before buying. And once okay. we know what those reasons are, then it's really easy for us to go solve those, right? Um, What's an example wrong. of some of those? Okay, from an e-com perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so let's take like um, one of our clients right now is um, they're a direct-to-consumer women's fashion company. Um, you know, so they sell like 
different wide array of like women's clothing items. Um, what they wanted to know is like, what's the problem? Is it that this is a luxury brand and it's like too high of a price point? Is it a lack of value perception? Is it a misunderstanding of if they're going to get the right fit? Um, do they understand that like buying this particular outfit or multiple outfits fits their specific need? Right. So that could be a part of it. Right. Or are you, you, are you buying for an interview? Or are you buying for like a special occasion, you know, date night with your husband? Like those are all different use cases or personas or segments. Um, and what they thought was, Hey, this is a price sensitivity issue, or this is, you know, like a lack of perceived value because these jeans cost 200 bucks, you know, um, mm -hmm. customers didn't care about that at all. That had nothing to do with it. Like what they actually cared about was, um, the fit, like being able to piece outfits together, like being able to get the top and the, like, and the, the pants that like go together effectively, they were struggling with like pulling that together the right way and, um, shipping in return, you know what I mean? Okay. Because of those objections. Right. So like what they thought was the problem, wasn't the problem. When we pinned down the problem, then we were able to test around, you know, guarantees, returns, you know, like, here's how we, you know, make sure that this is like a good fit for you, et cetera, et cetera. One thing I noticed in the three examples that you've given here, it seems like from the business perspective, the, the upper management or the owners are always kind of leaning towards that it's something about price or thinking that it's like, they need, they're not trying to prove the value. They're trying to, quote unquote, make it easier to buy by lowering the cost. Is that where a lot of businesses kind of slip up? Yeah. Uh, good. <laughs> so I like rant about this endlessly. But um, yeah, the, the one thing I would say is like discounting is lazy marketing. Now I'm saying this jokingly, but I also made it. <laughs> so it's easy to discount price, right? But you're also dinging your margins, right? But that's only one tool. There's hundreds of things you can optimize. So instead of only thinking about price or discounts, think about all the other things that you could optimize, you know, user path, like copy positioning, you know, product descriptions, um, usability of the site, um, increasing the value perception, right? Like those are all other areas and, and there's hundreds of more things that you could optimize, right? So instead mm -hmm. of going to the easiest thing, which is, Hey, we're not on our quarterly numbers. Let's just throw out another discount. Um, right think about optimizing those other aspects of the business that are actually going to drive more value long-term because you can extrapolate that to other parts of your business, right? And other channels and stuff. Right. That's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to share? Um, I don't know. Do you want one more quick case study? Cause this uh, one yeah, will be I interesting. Do. Okay. Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so we have a, um, we have a client, um, they're direct consumer. They actually sell like a lot of like, uh, like dental products, like things like that. Um, we just ran a test. They're really high traffic sites. We just ran a test where when we were doing our surveying and polling, we pulled out different testimonials from mm -hmm. like real customers, like post-purchase surveys, asking them about like, why did you buy? What almost prevented you from buying, et cetera, et cetera. What do you, what features matter most to you? Uh, things like that. So we're pulling out all these voice of customer samples where they've like articulated in the survey, this is what I think, using the real language. So we pulled out the three best testimonials we could find. One was mapped to objections that were overcome because of the way we were marketing. The second one was about like pricing. And the third one was a testimonial that really didn't have like a key target of like what we were trying to accomplish outside of 
we had a wild card from one of my CRO analysts, which is like, hey, this is a really cool quote that has grammatical errors in it. And we actually okay. tested all three of those variations. So on a product page, we had product page with no testimonial variation one, two, three. Variation three was the testimonial that had a grammatical error. And that outperformed the control and the other two variations. It was authentic. It was authentic. A copywriter doesn't sit down in a marketing team and like make up a testimonial that has errors in it. That would never happen. Right. So yeah. back to like the skepticism versus like believability, you know, credibility. So really, really cool test that uh, we wrapped up last week. That's awesome. I like that one. Yeah. All right. I am sure that anyone listening is probably going to have some questions um, or want some advice. How could they reach out? Yeah, you can you can find Jeremy Epperson on LinkedIn. Like I actually respond when people reach out and ask questions. Um, I post most days. I haven't been as much because we're gearing up for Q4 right now, to your point. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm always happy to answer questions. People can like tag me, post, like connect, follow. Um, this is my passion. I love sharing these things um, to help like enable like marketing teams and ecom like execs. So uh, yeah, love it. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. This is great. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. All righty. That is all we have for today, but we will continue this conversation in the online community on our Substack. So if you have questions or want to share your ideas, search for the real heroes of e-commerce on substack.com and subscribe. Until next time.